time for News with My Dad, a show where we talk about the news with my dad. And on the telephone playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad, the star of our show, the inimitable, the paper towel king, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? <laughs> well, I'm relieved that we finally established contact. I'm sorry for the phone screw up. This is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When instead of important, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout-out? I have a shout-out. I'm shouting out this morning for Jefferson Daniel Edward Smith for the dedication that he has given radio station KXRY, also known as X-Ray.FM, we're going on six years. Seven and a half. Putting, seven and a half, yeah. Seven and a half years. Constantly putting the, the, the welfare of the station ahead of himself. Putting up with some absolutely scurrilous crap. And uh, not getting, and not being appreciated. And he just, he deserves a big shout out. Well, hey, I'll take it, Pop. Thank you very much for the shout-out. And right back at you. Where do you want to start, Dad? This well, is... I'd, like, I'd like to run national stuff, but then I got a, just a Google state and local. Well, let's have that. Get, let's tease some of the state and local, just quick headers, so that people can hear them, and they might even have their own thoughts. We might be able to engage a few people. What are some of those? Without going into them, just a couple of the eh, full headlines, just teasers on some of those state and local stories before we get to them. We'll get to them a little later. Okay, well, I, I think it's worth mentioning. It's sort of local. The state of Washington is looking seriously at having a billionaire tax. A billionaire uh, tax I, in Washington. We'll talk about that. What else? Well, there's there's not much to talk about except I wonder if that is uh, if the underlining that is let's get Bill Gates. Oh, they've got more they've got more than Bill Gates in uh, in Seattle at this point. But uh, what other what other local stories do you want to get to? Again, don't not the whole story, well, just the, there, the there, teasers. There's lots of COVID. There's there's lots of uh, you know, just miscellaneous stuff. I I, I, I can't characterize it in general for you. Just a whole lot of stuff. All right, well, why don't we start with the international stories? So much for the teasers. Okay, well, if you want to start with international, Bob, the only international thing I'm particularly noting is that... Oh, I thought you said international. I, I apologize. No, I said, I'm trying to follow I, your lead. I said national. Oh, forgive me. Go ahead. Go Start where you want to start, Bob. Well, why don't you just get international out of the way? There's just one thing worth mentioning, I think, and that is that the U.K. and the European Union are at odds over who's going to get vaccines. And... Uh, that's what, that that's the going to be perhaps the first big halt attempts between the UK and the EU because of Brexit. But national, national news first. Biden met with ten senators, and they all said it was friendly, nice two hours. Whether or not it's going to produce anything, who knows? Who knows? But Biden is apparently really serious about climate change. He's put out. Uh, he's putting out more executive orders. One of the executive orders is that all foreign policy decisions and all security decisions must take climate change into account, and that is really quite significant. And let's hope that that, of course, the domestic domestic areas. <laughs> 
we're, we're a long way from even meeting the Paris Accords and the Paris Accords that's been telling us it's not enough, but that's good. There's there a lot of lot of indictments coming down from January 6th, and there's a local boy who got indicted. Did you catch that? I did not see that. Yeah, his name is Ethan, I don't know if Ethan or Ethan, probably Ethan Nordine. He's 30, 31 years old, I believe. He's in Vancouver. He's a proud boy, and he has been indicted with Offenses that could lead up to 20 years in jail. And his, his dad says he's been trying to get his son to let the crap go with the Proud Boys and all that stuff and hasn't been successful. This may, this may get his attention. The, Where, I, I want to go back to the meeting. Uh, I want to go back to the meeting with Biden. What do we learn about that? What do we think the strategy? I mean, obviously, if there can be. Everybody who's in the U.S. Senate is smart and experienced enough to know, and every member of Senate staff is smart and experienced enough to know that if there are 10 Republican senators who decide to work with Biden, that that That, group... That adds adds up to 60. And that can run the country, okay? And that is an enormous opportunity. And I'll say, and it's also an enormous opportunity for Joe Biden, I'll explain. Traditionally, as we've seen, history has demonstrated that when legislative chambers are split, that increases the relative power of the executive, particularly when it comes to budgeting, because we often think of things just betwixt sort of partisan boundaries, right? But there's so many decisions that are made by government that aren't, maybe fewer now, to be honest, but are to, to concede, but so many decisions that are out of the media's at least loudest watchful I, uh, if an eye can be watchful. And in all of those, the ability for the mayor in a state or the president in a federal government to be able to say, well, let's maybe put nudge it over this way. It just increases the power of the executive. So Biden's got to understand that as well. If there were genuinely 10 moderate Republicans, 10 moderate Republicans could get just about anything they want. But the, what I keep being stuck on... They, they, they could at least get a couple of committee chairs. What I keep getting stuck on is... And it was a similar problem in Oregon, but at least you had... I mean, you had Greg Smith, you had Bob Jensen, and you had some folks, you had some genuinely uh, crossover, you know, Bob Jensen, rest in peace, who had been a dear friend, and it was, it was the dean of the House, oldest member of the House of Representatives, Republican, but started out as a Democrat... And had been a had been a school te- public school teacher for his career, genuinely cared about education, genuinely cared about public services, and the, and he would genuinely work not only work in order to get some no bid contract to some buddy of his, he would genuinely work with Democrats on trying to figure out budgets, etc. Okay, and you 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 and I actually went up and canvassed for him in the primary because because of because he was willing to work across the aisle for the better bit of the. State, he had a serious he had serious opposition in his last uh, his, his last go round, and we helped get him nominated. Yeah, it, it, it's an example actually of how you can uh, how you can resist a right wing challenge, and you can do it by developing real goodwill in your community, by having a community that hasn't been entirely occupied by uh, by sort of the Fox News apparatus, and by having folks of goodwill who are willing to you know like. You know, 
lefties like lefties like you, Dad, huh, who are willing to uh, still help him out and go door to door and remind him of his humanity. Of course, Dad was district attorney in Mattoon County years ago, so it was not. I had worked as a cattle hand in the area uh, right after high school, so it was not entirely unfamiliar territory for us. Uh, but I, I just think back to that time because remember, you know, we had a split legislature and it did increase the power of the executive what i keep running up against is who are gonna how are there 10 if there there have not there weren't 10 republicans who are willing to stand up to president trump there weren't 10 republicans who are in the in the u.s senate who are willing to call out the uh, the the deep graft that's been going on for the last four years so it's hard for me to under and i want i am hopeful i would like for there to be uh, and even though I know that would mean compromises in certain policies, what I just keep butting my head against the glass window on is where is where is there room for a compromise? What are those priorities that are crossover priorities? If it's still as things like, oh, instead of one point nine trillion dollars, how about we do less than a third of that? Because we're not as concerned about what's actually happening in state and local governments. We're not exactly we're not as concerned about all of the pain people are really facing during this pandemic crisis. I worry that that's that's not the thing Dad. where can we find that that area for potential compromise? And that's what we're going. That that's why I have a big question mark yeah. on my notes about that meeting because they all came out saying "kumbaya," very nice, but the proof is in the pudding, and the pudding amounts to votes. It is yeah. votes that matter. Only votes that matter. Only votes that matter. All right. Well, keep going. So, what Robert, else in the national landscape you're tracking? Talk, talk, talk more about Congress. Katie Porter has been kicked off the Financial Services Committee. And Robert Kuttner, who is a, a very astute commentator that uh, whose stuff I get, says that, that that has happened because the chair of the committee, Maxine Waters, doesn't like the fact that Katie asks such tough, tough questions. And uh, uh, Maxine Waters, Kuttner uh, contends that she... She's learned to get along with the with big business, and and Katie Katie asks big business questions. But I'm sorry to see that that's happened. No, I, I want to comment on that one too, Dad. Well, I didn't mean to cut it. you off. Uh, it is people have seen Katie Porter, right? You bring up her little micro whiteboards and and ask real questions and oh wow this is somebody who's really digging in and this is the thing and, and without wanting to cast aspersions at Maxine Waters the real challenge of what happens in Washington I think it is I don't think I'm overstating when I say the is particularly in the areas where people aren't paying as close attention right Democrats have to be Democrats when a vast majority of the country is paying attention yeah, that's true on women's right to choose. That is true if there's a big COVID relief package. That's true if uh, that's usually true if there is a if there's an issue of war and peace and there has not been and there is not a sufficiently vilified central villain that can motivate a supermajority of the country to be in favor of marshalling uh, of marshalling military arms. Lots of examples when everybody's paying attention. If there's some big uh, labor union organizing issue. Uh, that'll get everybody's attention. But when people aren't paying as much attention 
And by the way, financial services is one of the big areas, one of the big areas, because once you start doing it, all the humanities majors, all the all the liberal arts majors who start paying attention to this stuff, as soon as you start saying, you know, blank per hour, blank benefit, uh, blank debt, blank loan, blank. They tune out. It's just like, oh, oh, it just start just a little bit, you know, try to go to sleep a little bit. And Katie Porter makes it interesting. But meanwhile, you don't get to be committee chair. You don't get to be Maxine Waters unless you've been operating in Washington for a long, long time. And that means she's got a lot of people who have her ear. And a lot of the people who have Maxine Waters' ears don't like the fact that Katie Porter's been doing it. Now, apparently, Katie Porter had tried to. She had not bullet requested to be on the Financial Services Committee. She may have also tried. Uh, I think she also tried to serve on another committee. Uh, and and because I forget the maneuverings, but it made it possible for Maxine Waters to uh, to take her out. But I was worried that there it wasn't just Katie Porter decided not to do it or got unlucky or whatever. I was worried that she had been sidelined for those reasons. And I'm glad you brought it up because it's a bummer. She is such a she's such a valuable asset to the very things that people don't pay sufficient attention to. Yep. What's yep. next? Apparently, um, Maxine didn't like. Her whiteboards, either. <laughs> and this is a dynamic, by the way. This is something that Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is dealing with, also. And and by the way, I will acknowledge this is something that uh, that Hillary Clinton dealt with early uh, early in her Senate career. And this is something, by the way, that I am sensitive to because I suffer from it as well. When people came in and they started building, either they started with or they started building significant profiles within a legislative chamber. One of the challenges of building a profile in a legislative chamber is that you have all of your colleagues who also who have the same job, who got elected by roughly speaking the same size districts, who all want profiles also. So even though it seems like you're on the same team, you're not always on the same team. Dad, have you seen that dynamic where some, it's sort of tall poppy syndrome, right? There's, oh, look at that tall poppy. We better better cut it down so it's not taller than the other poppies in the poppy field. Is that something you have noticed in your as you've been paying attention to politics from far away and from very, very up close over the last 60 years? Oh, sure. Another, another way to describe it is crabs. You don't mean the some people think you mean something different than that, than you mean. <laughs> crabs. The, 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 the story that my father taught about crabs in a bucket. The uh, my kid brother and my dad were out collecting crabs and they put crabs they were putting crabs in a bucket and my brother said dad the, the, the crabs are crawling out they're getting out of the bucket he said no no they won't get out of the bucket because notice as soon as one gets up a little bit another crab reaches up and pulls it back down again and I think there's that's lot, part of the challenge. A lot of that goes on. And that, that, that's part of the challenge and I never got I never got the the indication from Katie Porter she was trying to grandstand just that he's trying no, to use she wasn't she was she was really trying to serve the public interest and this is why we need this is why we need listeners to pay attention to this stuff and to support progressive populist kind of stuff to support pro-democracy kind of stuff support legislators who are raising a ruckus even if occasionally that offends power because you're the only hope they've got and I'll, I'll even and this I will acknowledge that I, I can attest to from personal experience that when you're asking tough questions in committee, when I did that, I thought I was doing my job. 
Okay, like I thought if I didn't do that, I was being lazy. And by the way, when I wasn't doing it, often I was being lazy. I said, well, I didn't really want to read this stuff prior. I'd rather sit here. You know, I nobody sees what's on my computer. I could do what I, I get ready for my next thing. They're going to have a vote I prepare for. I communicate with my staff, any number of things. And when I'd really drill in, that's when I really felt I was doing my job. What didn't dawn on me is that the lobbyists didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 they did not leave. And and the, one of the problems is, and it and it includes one of the deep problems that Willamette Week uh, has has added to. And I've been critical of that, and they have obviously appreciated that. It, when they do their legislative rankings, and the way they do their legislative rankings is by asking lobbyists how legislators do. And so, lobbyists, uh, lobbyists, great, great people up who treat them well. There you go. And so you have you have a dynamic where the people grading the paper. The people who are deciding how good a legislator is in the newspaper with the Lamb Week because of their you know good, bad, and the awful. Uh, the people who are grading the paper because of political contributions, because most of the political contributions come from lobbyists or come through lobbyists, because of reputations who are built largely in the hallways by lobbyists and in drinking sessions and in probably now Zoom calls and text messages about, oh, who's a good legislator? Oh, so-and-so really annoys me. The that they are in the position to grade the paper. So when you're there, you'd think, okay, I'm doing my job. It feels like school, right? You're there. I did my homework. You know, I'm Katie Porter. I did my homework. I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. I'm going to help people understand what's really going on here. I'm going to make sure that I'm a fiduciary for the people of the my district and even beyond to make sure that we're doing the people's business. So I'm really going to dig in. And then what happens is some of those people are then able to grade your paper and they don't like your paper because they have an interest in it because it was impacting their contract. It was impacting their ability to build their own career and make their own dough. And it's one of the real challenges. And there, and there is no, uh, there's no political party that is immune to it, to be clear. So anyway, I dwell a little bit on the Katie Porter thing because I think it's a window to sort of do some sausage and, making. And, and, the, understand what's and going the other on. thing, the other thing of the Katie Porter, Katie Porter used her question time to ask questions. Right. Where the, the, majority, the majority of the American Congress use their question time to give speeches. Yeah. Uh, Kamala Harris was another person who used time to ask questions. Very, very useful. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we're Katie Porter fans. Sorry to dwell on that so long. Maybe not sorry. You're welcome. What's next, Bob? Well, Joe Biden not only has to deal with the, the division in Congress, he also is causing a real division in the Catholic Church bishop bishopric. The, you have Jose Gomez, who is the Conference of Bishops president, attacking him on abortion and contraception and marriage and gender, and other Catholics who are saying, hey, knock it off, we, we, we should be so glad that we have him. To keep an eye on. Uh, Joe's got a couple of more cabinets confirmed. Peter Buttigieg, did I pronounce that right this time, by the way? Buttigieg, yep. Great. Uh, was confirmed 86 to 13. Not quite sure why the 13 was 13. But the Homeless Security nominee, Alex, however pronounced his name, I think, was 56 to 43. 56 to 43, because in Nevada, of course, is a harbinger for the fact that that uh, immigration is going to continue to be a big problem. 
and uh, one way it's going to be a big problem. Ken Cucinelli, who was the acting head there, it turns out has signed a contract with the ICE union, which says that the department cannot make any policy change that affects agents without getting the affirmative consent of the union. I wanted to talk about DDT money raising. He now has started a pack called Save America, which is he's telling all of his supporters this is this is to deal with election fraud and retaking the Senate. And it's raised $31.5 million as of last week, probably more now. Guess how much that PAC has spent on election fraud or anything having to do with taking back the Senate? I'm afeard it's, or encouraged, that it's a small number. As a matter of fact, it is zero. (laughs) It is zero. Legal bills, what are they spending the money on? And let me tell you something something that if any of our listeners have a good in to an honest person at the Federal Election Commission, here is something that they ought to know. I got an email from a guy named Andy Ngo, N-G-O, asking for money for his lawsuit against the Antifa organization. Now, of course, that, that made me curious because I'm not, I'm not aware that Antifa even has an organization. But anyhow, he needed money for it. And so I checked on where that came from. And where that came from was news at Defend the President. So what this is, they've got somebody who is claiming to be suing somebody that's an organization that doesn't exist, that if you give money to it, it doesn't go to ending goal for a lawsuit. It goes to Defend the President. And it is not the current president, by the way, that that money goes through. It it just stinks so bad. It's a graft. It's just a bunch of graft. Well, Dad, it's I want to. The, the nice thing about Donald Trump being pre, not being president anymore is we don't have to talk about it as much as we used to. So we get to move on. Oregon Unemployment Department has settled their class action lawsuit. The state has paid out $7.3 billion in the last 11 months. Dad, do you know how long 13, it took? 13 people had to sue them, and they say, yeah, well, they, they agreed because of the lawsuit that they're going to do better. And I can't help asking, why did it take a lawsuit? This is, my reaction was exactly the same. It's like I appreciated that people went after it to say, hey, let's, let's, make, a, let's make a commitment to doing it. I'm reminded of was it Measure One that said we're going to have adequate funding for schools, and then that, and there was a lawsuit that said, yeah, your state is failing it. But then what, right? You still got to do it, right? I'm reminded of, I'm reminded of when the city council had voted to use money from the urban rural district to build an additional community center in East Portland. They never did it. Who's going to make them do it? The court already said. The enforcement authority isn't going to make them do it. Who's going to make them do it? You, you, Lieutenant Lieutenant Weinberg, seems sort of tricky. So it is. I have the same reaction, but hopefully now they're really serious. Now they're really serious. I don't know. We uh, hope so. And so anyway, as I was saying, the the state has paid out seven point three billion dollars in eleven months, a little less than a year. Uh, 
Do you know how well that relates to the year prior? How much was spent in the year prior or in the years prior? I well, don't. It took us uh, more than a decade, uh, or, or just almost exactly a decade, to spend that much money in unemployment benefits. And that's oh, not a knock yeah. to the state. That is a recognition of the deep challenge that we've been facing. Wow. We have wow. A t- we've had a 10x spending rate. Uh, it's basically, it basically since the... Sen- all of the years since the Great Recession, we spent about the amount that we have spent in the last less than a year. COVID-19, prisoners will soon be getting their vaccination. Yeah, Did week, you catch this? Next week, the prisoners are going to get it because the court says they have to. And, of course, this sounds legitimate because if, if you were looking for the classic case of overcrowding and people being in, in relatively airless or unventilated spaces, a prison would be the place. But that means that folks over 65 may wait till May. Oh, because what was the last? Was it 75? Was that the was that the one that, that you categorized, you characterized, you classified in rather? Well, no, the, the, over 80, over 80, they said was going to be eligible next week to eight, but I don't know if that's going to hold. But um. next week, I'm going to try to find out. Well, I hope you're able to get it. And uh, and Jonathan's supposed to get it next week, right, as a teacher? Yeah, Jonathan is getting it as a teacher. And that's a good thing. While we're talking about t- teachers and teaching, Beaverton Schools and Lake Oswego Schools are looking at opening up to live classes, uh, being out front for that. Of course, uh, I assume that uh, that uh, depends upon their teachers getting, vac- getting vaccinated. But... Uh, and Jonathan, Jonathan, your brother, would really, really like to be back in the classroom for an interesting reason, because when he, he's teaching on Zoom, and when you're teaching on Zoom, you cannot be absent for a moment. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't uh, be quiet while the kids do some do work. Do some project, yep. Be there every single minute. It's t- constant concentration, and that's wearing. I hadn't thought about it that way. I'd thought about it. it Miles, you know, my nephew had said that it was, it, he thought it was harder because it meant he had to do more because he, he didn't have sort of those downtimes, right? Where he's like, hey, do a, do a project, everybody. Work on your desks on this project. And the teacher does something, the students do their thing. But instead, you have to be fully engaged. And, of course, when students aren't fully engaged, there's nothing. And they, they can turn off their camera and play the video game. And it's, yeah, I, I want schools to go back as well. Uh, Oregon's largest mental health provider is asking state officials for a bailout. Did you see this story? Cascadia serves 18,000 Oregonians, 75 facilities and walk-in crisis centers and including walk-in crisis centers as well as supportive housing and any number of other services. In a letter two weeks ago, the CEO of the company asked the state for an immediate $4 million bailout. The justification for that being increased costs due to the pandemic. The majority of the funding comes from the health authority through Medicaid. They got funding for a two-year program to provide a more holistic range of care to address addiction, to address other mental health issues. But then in 2019, federal funding ended. And lawmakers said, well, the state lawmakers said, we don't have any more money for you. You don't get your federal money anymore. Second request was cut short, and Republicans walked out of the legislative session in 2020. 
So that was yet another casualty. So we've always been, the state governments and federal governments have always been bad. Heck, culture is bad at identifying and serving and showing compassion for and addressing mental health challenges. This is yet another example of that, but also a casualty of Republicans fled to Idaho or Washington or California, wherever it's closest to them. They have more than 1,000 workers. They've cut 38 workers. That hasn't been enough. And, of course, mental health services have had significantly greater demand during this time. What was the fact that we've had, I I think, depression calls to the depression hotline went up four times. I think I just heard that. I think it was a 4x increase in depression calls uh, was what I just learned the other day. And this this all is the same the time when the state is looking at what may turn out to be a one point six billion billion not million billion dollar shortfall on the overall budget. No, it's it is it's been it's been easy to be able to uh, for you know fifty plus percent of the country to be able to say ah stuff is hard screw Donald Trump. It's also been lazy to do that, not because it was not a uh, an apt critique, but because it fails to recognize that this is a problem. One, to me, the, one of the great disappointments of the past year is that this hasn't been seen sufficiently as a chance for us all to pull together, for us all to recognize that we have shared experience. That for all of the all of the divisions along racial lines, all the divisions, particularly among financial lines, all the divisions in shared experience, this is a shared experience, and we should be. It's not equally experienced, to be clear. I recognize that. But it's something that we're all up against, and we have got to come together to address it. Boy, howdy. And that includes paying for stuff that people have a hard time with. Bob, how are you, how closely have you been tracking any more of sort of the local COVID response, anything else on COVID? Because I'm about to move away from that. Well, on something that, something that COVID is called, Perhaps worth mentioning, folks who have loved to go to Vancouver for one of the best firework displays in America will have to do it out again this year because they've announced that it uh, ain't going to happen. You mean the 4th of July fireworks they've already yep. canceled? Yep. Wow, that's a long time in advance. Because that was, well, that answers that question. I, uh, I was on, did I share this on the air already? I don't remember. I, I was on a call with clinicians. I, by the way, I, I, I should at some point help people understand what the heck I'm doing these days. But maybe if, I will only do it if there's a question. If people ask me about it, you can you can text share the te- I'll share the text line. You can text about it. Oh, I'm supposed to share the text line nine seven one two two zero five nine seven nine nine seven one two two zero. I'll save you the trouble. I'll ask. Tell us about. No, no, no. I I don't. Want to, I, 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 it, it'll be. It, it's, okay. It's only it's ten only tangentially related to the topic. I want to stick on topic. So. The uh, I was on the phone with a set of clinicians, and they asked, uh, and the question was, how long do we think this is going to be going on? What's the range? And I played, uh, I played the game of of um, of Price is Right, and I just took the lowest, I took the earliest, most optimistic bid, right? I actually picked right around July fourth, just prior, and. And I actually did not think that I was correct, but so many dates had already been picked in this group of clinicians. Uh, I now think the latest person who was, I think, I think they were saying February or uh, they were saying, yeah, they're saying February or so of 2022. 
I think I think she's going to be closer to right. I'm now I now think she was probably closer to right than my bid was. Uh, it's now looking like summer. If uh, your one more data point, your Vancouver thing is one more data point that now the predictors saying no, the vaccine is not going to be rolled out. We are not going to have herd immunity. Things are not going to be fully safe by next summer. That's important information. The good news. The good news is that uh, the the other ba- there's three more vaccine vaccines that are apparently uh, shortly going to hit the hit the market if you can call it a market uh, depending on who's paying for it but anyway apparently they all are good at preventing deaths and 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 serious serious bouts of covid so that is encouraging but but just just getting enough when when the fact that they're right now in Oregon there isn't enough to be sure that you're going to be able to get old folks over 65 until May. And then, of course, we're going to have the problem of the significant number who say they're not going to get it because the anti-vax folks of all kinds of vaccines are are out in full force. The and that's going to have to be dealt with, and it'll have to be dealt with successfully before herd immunity happens. So it'll be the end of the year, I'll bet. Well, Markeisha Smith, the new special advisor on racial equity to the mayor. It's a newly created position. Previously had been director of Portland's Office of Equity and Human Rights. Jeff Selby, who is often on the airwaves here, has worked in that department, although obviously his work here is independent of that. She's worked as a high school teacher, college educator, was the equity director for the Oregon Department of Education. Oregon dad may be limiting cities' abilities to criminalize, criminalize homeless camping. Did you see this? Uh, did you see this story? I did not. Speaker Kotek has introduced a new bill that would nullify the more restrictive anti-camping measures in Oregon cities. Uh, it's not an outright ban on anti-camping laws. It requires cities to be, and I'm quoting, objectively reasonable end quote, and regulating when, where, and how people can live outdoors. Oh is, is that a lawsuit waiting to, looking for a place to happen? Oh, it, will, it will end up in courts, but, you know, it might not be the worst thing. Uh, but, by the way, if, Dad, if you're wondering how to define objectively reasonable, there is a definition. Are you ready? Here it comes. I'm ready. That is to be determined based on the totality of the circumstances. Okay, including, but not limited to, the impact of the law on persons experiencing homelessness. There you go. <laughs> so, but it ain't easy, right? It ain't an easy no, thing. But the upshot, the upshot is. is that the uh, state and federal laws about camping tend to be more relaxed than city laws. A recent federal ruling that cities said that cities can't fine uh, homeless people for camping outside. Uh, federal courts have already ruled to limit cities' abilities to criminalize camping in public. But this law, so so the. Uh, so this law really could change things in Portland because Portland does have an explicit ban on public camping. And this will impact all over the state, but also, of course it will impact here. There is, and I could imagine you know, any number of interpretations by courts, such as, okay, there's got to be reasonable time, place, and manner. To me, it, to me it, it, the moral answer to the question has been, it's kind of obvious, it's the same reason why we were talking about Wapato, Okay, if I can't be here, where can I go? 
right? If you're if you're telling me that I I I'm going to sleep somewhere, okay? I'm a human being. I have to sleep somewhere. So unless you want me to die, okay, or not be a human being anymore, I have to sleep somewhere. If I can't sleep here, where should I go? And answering that question by the state, by the city, by the federal government, by the Reagan administration who pulled back on public funding for housing decades ago and started this whole mess and hasn't been held to account. That's the question is, where do they go? And I know, and and that is not me casting aspersions that all of the wonderful people were trying to answer that question, but I actually think in the judicial interpretation, if I were a judge or if I were a clerk to a judge, I might even be thinking about that. Okay, well, you can tell them they can't camp there. Be a good idea if you had an answer to the question where you're supposed to go instead. Yep. You mentioned the mayor. That's the Portland mayor. Uh, the Portland mayor, Ted Wheeler, has has said that he thinks they ought to hold off on imposing the carbon tax that, that they were going to impose on, on businesses that make... Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, he's... he's he said he ought to wait on that. And if he says ought to wait on that, I suspect they will wind up waiting on that. And while we're talking about him, did you notice the, the lawyer who confronted him and wound up getting a face full of pepper spray was a, is, is a big trumper? Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> how, how can a partner in a respectable law firm that you have to assume, therefore, was successful in law school and is successful in dealing with facts. Because if there's one thing that a good lawyer has to be good at is dealing with facts, how somebody like that can be a trumper just blows my mind. Yeah, and I don't know their I don't know their stance now. We just know they've supported a bunch of Trump supporting PACs. Uh, that's what we do know. But I think it's, and I think we now kind of understand, right? There's somebody who probably was to some degree a COVID denier and wasn't concerned about the how close they were to the mayor, but was trying to get the mayor on hypocrisy. Oh, wait a minute, you're making people wear masks. Look, you, sir, are eating and not trying to put your spoon through your mask. And you've taken off your mask during a meal. How dare you, hypocrite? I think that was, I think that was part of what was going on. Dad, there is a Blazer game tonight. Uh, facing off against the Philadelphia 76ers, we're 11 probably, and nine. Probably without, probably without our best player. Yeah, we've had a lot of injury challenges. We Damian Lillard was added to the team's injury board. It does say though he still. It, it, this report says he'll still likely play, just maybe in diminished circumstance. I'm telling you. So one of the questions for Blazer fans is: Is it time to tank? And I know that's not a question anybody's asked me on the air. It is now a question that two different people have asked me off the air. So I will give my feelings. No, as long as you have Damian Lillard, it's kind of impossible to tank because he's competitive. He's going to try his best. He's not going to want to lay down. Why do you tank for people who aren't sports, uh, as big as sports fans? Well, if you miss the playoffs, you've got a better chance for a better draft pick. And we might miss the playoffs anyhow, but I think tanking in the sort of way that it's been interpreted now, that's not really something we can do. I do think it is time to make sure we're playing our young players to give them enough iterations that they can get better, right? Human skill is not a static quality. It improves with practice. So that's what I have to say about the Blazers. Uh, Dad, what else you got local, uh, state and local? Well, talk, talk, about, talk about the legislature, the, the hearings hearings on Representative Hernandez uh, are not looking good for him, and 
it will be very interesting to see what the legislature decides to do. Uh, he was, he of course, was reelected handily because the news of his alleged bad conduct was not widely known, but the news of his alleged conduct is is now more and more widely known because because the women are showing up live to say about how he treated them. And, and that, of course, reminds me of the basic question, what should a legislative body do with something like that? At the national level, what should, what should the House do with the nut from Georgia? Uh, Maxine Taylor. And I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to equate those things. I think those circumstances are really different. It does raise. They are, they are very different, but but nonetheless, it comes. Does it? Does it come? Does it ultimately come down to simply a matter of maintaining your majority, or does it come down at some point to saying, "Yeah, we're really going to make an objective determination on conduct." Yeah, there has been now a division, and uh, Coin did a story on it. Where uh, local district attorneys are uh, are split on ideological lines as crime rates have been rising in Portland, we've had six gun-related homicides in January. Uh, we had 54 murders in 2020, the most in 25 years, uh, and now there is and, and now folks like the Washington County DA are criticizing uh, law enforcement, particularly the DA's office in Portland and Multnomah County. Uh, this is going to, I'm just flagging for it here. We've obviously talked to the Multnomah County District Attorney, uh, and I, I, I do worry that there is opportunism. Yeah, we're dealing with also four times the stress calls, the depression calls. Every single thing is worse, okay? I used to think that things were better for pets because they have to be around their humans more. No, pet anxiety is higher too because they can read our anxiety. Everything well, sure. is worse. Okay, everybody is bummed out. We've seen it at the radio station. We've seen it our live. We've carried on nonetheless. And appreciate everybody who's carried on with us. Can't say that enough. Big shout out to Carly Quadros who's running things this morning, and going to be in about five minutes is going to be running the show and having a really interesting interview. I hope people stick around for and, and pay attention to. But everything is worse, and that includes crime. That includes homelessness. That includes poverty. It includes child abuse. It, if there's a thing that you think is not a good thing, that thing is worse now. Okay, and so when there is a, so when somebody says, "Aha, look, I've always thought blank was a problem. This is showing me that blank is a problem." Yeah, everything's a problem right now. So I, while I think there is a question about how we're going to deal with what should happen with the with uh, with you know gang enforcement or gun violence prevention or whatever you want to call it, I think that is a fair question and should not only be politicized or uh, or or drawn in uh, power generating lines, right? But try to deal with it on the merits. Those are all really fair questions. Be careful about uh, folks, I hesitate to use politician, it's such a lazy word, but people who are in elected office who are using this opportunity to try to drive their pre-existing political agenda. By the way, I'm not, I myself am not immune to that. I, I'm a human being too, but you know, just watch for it. The uh, another another example of things that get worse. The Portland Police Department last summer ignored a whole, simply ignored a whole mess of 911 calls, uh, and there appears to be a, a correlation between their ignoring that and they're having to deal with protests when protests were 
damaging downtown. $2.3 million damage is what apparently was done to federal buildings, just to federal buildings, not can, not all of the businesses whose windows got broken and and uh, vandalized, trashed. The it it really it really is all all over. And uh, while we're talk while we're talking about elected officials who are under under fire, is there any new news today? Because I haven't seen today's news about uh, Clackamas County Commissioner Mark Scholl. It appears nobody wants him. Uh, no, I don't have I don't have a new update on on Mark Scholl. Uh, there, there is there is something there is something I want people to know that's kind kind of neat and this is particularly because you you particularly know one of these persons very well. I think you, I think you dated her a little while once years many years ago. If the AFL CIO national president Richard Trumka decides not to run again which most people believe is going to happen if he doesn't run again it looks like the two most likely replacements are either Liz Schuler, who is presently the vice president who is from Corvallis or Sarah Nelson from Oregon who is the chair president of the flight attendants of union and so there is a really good chance that an Oregon woman is going to be the president, I think the first female president of the AFL-CIO. Well, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Sarah Nelson fan. She's terrific, and would be is is a marvelous spokesperson for working people and for democracy generally. So at least, at least, obviously, paying attention to that. One other dad, one other story before we. It's just about time for straw in the wind, but a bill I want people to track. Okay, it's actually a pair of bills that would allow cities to put their cash in banks other than large for-profit banks. Senate Bill 339, House Bill 2743. Senate Bill 339 and House Bill 2743 would enable municipalities to create public banks which would be owned by the state or municipality. It's a bill put out by the Oregon Public Bank Alliance. It's something near and dear to my heart. It's something that, heck, I was campaigning on back in 2012. Uh, If we could change our, we spent so much money in banking fees, and not, and, and but more importantly than that, banks make so much money off of our money, and it's not that hard to do. Like I don't want to be clear. I don't want the city of Portland like trying to make my phone. Right? That's not their skill set. I don't think government ought to do everything. But banking, it's not that hard. Okay, Banking and insurance, anytime you see in innovations in banking and insurance, watch out. The, the innovation is something like you know mortgage-backed securities that end up tanking the economy. Innovations, they are not generally for the benefit of the customer, but for the benefit of the investor, owner, and shareholder. Innovations in other realms, you know, they're good for you. Help my life be a little better. Help your life be a little better. Banking makes so much sense. And it would not have to be a general purpose bank. I don't mean I have my city of Portland debit card. But when there is a large sum of money, then you could, that the city has just for the city's money to keep it in its own bank. And then can you apply that money to 
provide loans for energy retrofits, provide loans for, heck, if you did it at scale, you could even do student loans. It makes all the sense in the world. So I just want to put a plug in for that. But, Dad, if you don't have, if you have something else to plug, there might be time. But otherwise, it's time for a straw in the wind. Well, I think it's just well because as the weather warms up and people think they're going to get back on the river, the state has imposed a wake-making <laughs> ban uh, in the vicinity, a couple of miles uh, upriver of the Hawthorne Bridge. And so if you've been water skiing or jet skiing in that area, be careful. You can't do it anymore. I also want to give a big shout-out to friend uh, Mark Fronmeyer. Uh, he's been on the air before. We we worked on various things together back in the bus project back in the day and also on just democracy stuff in general. We share an interest in star voting. He's worked on that. But have you paid attention to what's happened with with his Arkimoto stock? With what? Our, uh, so uh, Mark Fronmeyer, who you know. Uh, yeah. Okay. He, he, the company he started, Arkimoto, that makes three-wheel electric vehicles. Have you paid attention to what's happened to its stock? No, I haven't. Just reached a billion-dollar market cap. Holy cow. Yeah, it grew 62% in January. It's up from, it's, it's trading around like 32 today. It was at 97 cents back in March. Uh, so it's a uh, big congratulations to Mark. They just made an acquisition of another little vehicle company so they can add a new uh, low-scale electric vehicle. One of, the, one of the reasons I'm a fan, both, both because I love the guy, but also because the uh, just taking you know blank thousands of pounds and putting electricity in it does not solve our carbon problem. We've also got to change the amount of weight we're moving around the world, change how we move around the world in general. That includes bicycles, includes electric electric bicycles, and includes three-wheeled vehicles like Mark is doing. Anyway, Dad, was that your straw in the wind, or you still have to do it? I have, I have my straw in the wind. A straw in the wind. Which may or may not turn out to be a straw in the wind. But if it turns out to be a straw in the wind, it is a very significant wind. 2020 was the first time that the number of deaths in Oregon was greater than the number of births in Oregon. That could be a really serious straw in the wind. Well, Dad, we did it one more time. We did it indeed. We'll be back on Monday. Love you, Pop. Love you, lad.